Well, good morning. It is a wonderful privilege to be back with you again. Um, as Pastor Scott mentioned, uh, being in your pulpit several times over the years as a missionary and then being with you a couple of years ago, uh, just representing Cornerstone, getting to know the saints has been a real blessing to us. Um, it is true that um, the Lord has been so gracious uh, in just allowing us the privilege and the sense of the oneness that we have with you all. Um, I know Scott has been a great blessing in my own life personally, and we are so thankful for your openness to sharing your pastor with us. And um, we can't thank you enough at the Cornerstone Seminary for the way that you are involved in such a significant way in missions and in ministries of the lives of men that you will never meet, but because you free up your pastor to do that and to allow him to teach at the seminary and to be on the board at the seminary, um, you as a body are impacting um, communities, regions of California that you don't even know about and then beyond into the rest of the world. And so, so we thank you for that. Um, it is a blessing also to be at the seminary and to have Jeff Miller with us. Um, I had the opportunity and the, the blessing of having Jeff in our Greek exegesis class. And uh, I see him still walking around, so he did just fine, right? <laughs> and uh, and so, so we do, uh, we believe that we, we feel very much at home with you. And so thank you for having me. It's wonderful to be here. Um, you know, our brother Scott just read a verse that is so crucial um, in the life of ministry, wherever you're at. And, and the verse right before the one he read says this way, You therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. The things which you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses entrust these to faithful men. And that training process doesn't occur out of the fount of just sheer strength and, and, and the power of one man. The, power, the process of training men for ministry is born out of the strength that Christ himself gives to men to do this. And that's very much what we're about at the Cornerstone Seminary. We desire to train men who are going to be dependent on the power of Christ in ministry that are going to proclaim His truth and His glories in such a way that His people will be conformed to His image. And so as we do that, you're very much a part of it, and we want to thank you for that. We thank you for bringing the seminary on as, a, as very much a missions work that it is. Um, the, the leadership of your church has just uh, informed us that you all are going to be supporting this Cornerstone Seminary on a monthly basis and uh, as, mission, as a missions work, which, which is that's what it is. And so we praise God for your vision and for the bigness of what God is doing here within the body in terms of your outlook, and that you're not myopic in just thinking about little Hollister, not that Hollister's little, okay? There are other cities smaller than Hollister. I've been to some of them, okay? Um, but, but that you're focused on a larger plane of what is God doing around the rest of the world. And you've been involved in Honduras. I see that you're involved in India. I've seen that you're involved in some of these other countries. And Lord willing, that will continue on into Spain and into other regions of the world. And so I just want to encourage you in that and thank you for, for supporting the Cornerstone Seminary. Um, God is doing some very exciting things at Cornerstone. Um, the Cornerstone Seminary has been very focused over the years in producing men who would be Christ-centered, spirit-empowered expositors who shepherd. Guys who would have a, a focus on Christ in ministry, that Christ would be the one whom they preach, that they would be expositors of the Word of God, 
that they would do the scholarly work of studying scripture deeply for themselves and then being able to bring that together in a sermon for his people, for Christ's people, but also who have a, a heart for people, who want to really shepherd people, who really want to be involved in people's lives. And that's, that's very much our hallmark and our distinctive of bringing together scholarship with pastoral ministry. Well, over the last months, God's done another great thing. Um, the Lord has seen fit to not only have us equipping men for ministry at, at a master's level, but then he's also seen fit to bring into our lives the opportunity to be able to, to strengthen local churches at the, at the lay leadership level in terms of, of helping people to mature their giftedness and become more mature disciples of our Lord Jesus Christ and service to him within their local body. And so the Cornerstone Seminary has been moving toward the development of what we would call the Cornerstone Bible College. And you all are a part of that in your giving and in your support and in your loaning us your pastor and, and allowing him to be involved in the ministry this way and, and, and having Jeff come to the seminary. This is all part of that larger picture of how are we going to strengthen the local body of Christ and his people. And so um, in the near future, we're going to be offering classes at a Bible college level as well. And so some of you may have youth, some of your young people, or some of you may be retired, and you're thinking, I want to I deepen my understanding of Scripture. Well, we would encourage you to think about the Cornerstone Bible College and the seminary. Okay, and, and you could talk to your pastor about that, and, and he'll be able to share with you many of the other details. And yet... Um, this is, the design of this is, is the global impact. Um, the design of this is that, is that we're burdened for the glory of Christ around the world. And we want to see local churches strengthened, not only locally, but we want to see them strengthened globally. And so God has been faithful to send us men. We've had men come to us from Africa, men come to us from from regions of Europe. We've had men come to us from regions of Latin America. And already God is beginning to do this. And men come in and they get trained and then they go home. And then they say, hey, you know, would you come and teach for us? And so then I go teach for them. And I get to see their ministries and I preach in their churches. And so together we're building this larger community and and an encouragement of the very men that we've trained. And so we, I just want to encourage you, as you think and pray about the Cornerstone Seminary, think missions and pray for the glory of Christ to spread, to spread quickly and to spread rapidly for his glory. And, and that's really uh, what, what we're about in terms of the development in our relationships. Um, our brother, Tom, that Jeff introduced, he mentioned that he's from Spain. And, and um, Tom's pastor and I are a co-pastor from Tom's church from La Iglesia Evangelica de Leon in España. Um, that would be the Evangelical Church of Spain and uh, of Leon in Spain. Um, he and I have been friends over the years. When I was in Honduras, uh, we had this brother come to us, and he taught for us in Honduras at our seminary. Um, the way we designed our seminary was to fly men in so that our men would have the best professors possible, and we did modular format. And so we had this brother come in several years in a row, and he and I just really resonated in terms of philosophy of ministry, 
outlook and theology and what we believe about our Lord and what's important in ministry. And just over the years, God built this relationship between us that, that was very, it became very much just a, a, a bond of affection and, and desire to see one another grow in their love for Christ and in the work of the ministry. And so when I came to Cornerstone, it was very natural to, to bring this brother along so that he would see the bigness of what we were doing. And in so doing, he met some of our friends at Community Bible Church. And then eventually, um, the Community Bible Church recognized the need in Spain, and they got involved in that, in that work. And then, and then along the way, um, one day in a board meeting, I mentioned to Scott, and I said, hey, would you guys be interested in, in having this brother Dave Robles come by? He's a co-pastor in Spain. Um, he's the dean of the seminary, of the Berean Seminary in Spain. Um, also the, the leader of their conference ministry. And uh, they have a very dynamic ministry that God is, that God is working there. And so Scott asked that, I would, that I would, we would come together and be able to present to you um, a little bit about Cornerstone as well as a little bit about Spain. And so in a couple of minutes, I'm going to ask Dave to come up. But, but our brother Dave Robles has been involved in, he's a, he's been involved in this particular church since he was a boy. And uh, God, God used the ministries of that local church to see David come to Christ and grew up in this local church. His pastor married his pastor's, married his pastor's daughter and and uh, his wife, Loida, is here today. And so you'll look forward to meeting her, I hope, a little later. And, uh, and then God um, eventually used training that he received at, at different schools here in the States to, to bring all that training together and allow him to be a blessing to the church in Spain. So he studied here and went back. And now he's in process of, of Lord willing, in the years to come, being able to take the leadership of that local body. And so we have in our brother David a very much a man who's been trained, burdened for his people, gone back to his people, being, uh, doing the work of the ministry amongst his people in the local church, and yet training others who will train others for the glory of Christ. And so I just want to encourage you, brethren, to open your hearts wide to our brother David. Um, I know you'll be blessed in the preaching of the word. And so, David, do you want to come up and, and encourage the saints? And we'll look forward to talking to you after church, okay? Well, thank you very much, Adrian, for your kind introduction. And thank you, Pastor Scott, for the opportunity to be here and meet the saints. And as we were driving all the way from the Northern Bay Area to Hollister this morning, we were seeing the landscape and we were talking, Adrian and myself, that how similar it is to Spain. And really the, the Spaniards, when they came several centuries ago, they, they choose to stay most of the time in California. And I, I kind of, you know, have a hint why, because it's very similar, the weather. And even our city has a, a it's a very, in the surroundings, very agricultural, like it is around here. So we were saying, oh, that's, those are cherries, and those are garlic, and that's, uh, you know, lettuce, and all these kind of groans that the, the, the earth produces here is very similar to our to our city, so we feel very much at home, and we are very grateful for the opportunity to share what the Lord is doing in Spain for His glory. And I would like us to open our Bibles for so in Psalm 67. Psalm 67. Yeah, I was wondering if you knew we were going to preach about this, but Pastor Scott just read a part of this psalm. And we are going to be asking a question 
and let the word of God answer to that question this morning. And the question is, why does God bless us? Why does God bless us? And maybe we need to ask the question in a more personal way. How has God blessed you lately? We have so many blessings from God. The question is not if God is blessing you or not. God is blessing you so many ways. The question is, how are you seeing that God is blessing you in a particular way right now? One of the most obvious blessings that I have received is from the congregation in Leon, Spain. You've got to know a little bit of the history of Spain to put into perspective this great blessing. Spain has been a country which was one of the main nations of the world, probably the main nation of the world in the 16th, 17th century. And alongside, they were conquering many places and territories. They wanted to be unified. And the way they pursued this was through religion. So they found that the Catholic belief, Catholic religion, Catholic system, was what was to unify them and stay together the empire. So they named an institution to make sure they were all one for the conquering of the nations. And this was the Spanish Inquisition. And then the Spanish Inquisition, throughout the years and centuries, got so hard that everyone who believed different than the nation... They were killed and persecuted and burned at the stake. Many, many, many people for many reasons. And that was the main reason why the Reformation in the 1500s never made it to Spain. Because the Inquisition neither even had the opportunity to let books come in or even the translation of the Bible. So Spain was in dark spiritually speaking, for many centuries. And even when the Inquisition was diminishing, then we have a civil war in the 1930s, and a, a general by the name of Franco won the civil war, and he got into power, and he was a dictator for four years in Spain. And he kind of pursued the same approach, having a church state, kind of government, with the Catholic Church being the main religion in Spain. So believers were persecuted. Even one of the main elders in my city, one of the older elders in my city, in my, in my church, who is 84 right now, he was fined in 1955 for preaching the gospels on the streets. And we have that document. And people got into Yale for preaching the gospel on the streets. And they were persecuted. So in that context, we have our Spanish constitution signed in 1978. And the constitution said that there were four main religions. And just not only Catholic, but they recognized that the Protestant religion and the Muslims and the Jews alongside with the Catholics. So that gave us some rights, some freedoms to preach the gospel in this new time. So in that context, in 1992, the elders of my church decided to ask the city for a property to build a church by itself as the Roman Catholic Churches has. 
And for all the time before, we had just a storefront, and we have to hide, and even you have a storefront, you, you were not allowed to put the you know, evangelical church sign up front. So this was really a, a, a something unheard of, asking for a property to the government to give us to build an evangelical church, the church they persecuted for centuries. So the church prayed about this for many years, and we keep coming back to the city hall asking them for this right. And after 15 years in 2007 of faithful prayer, God, in his sovereignty hand, allowed us to receive this property free of charge, a prime property over an acre in a prime location of the city, by the river, very visible, with many families, young families living around, and they gave us, us for free this property, which is worth $5 million at this, at this time of crisis. So all for the glory of God. The same sovereign God who allowed the Spanish Inquisition to exist in our country and to persecute his people for many centuries. The same God who in his providence, he allowed a dictator to be in power for 40 years and not allowing to preach the gospel, is the one who is in control and is allowing the city to give us a property to an evangelical church that they persecuted for many years. So that's a unheard blessing in our context. And it's a blessing, not for ourselves, but to preach Christ and for the blessings of others and for the glory of God. God has blessed us in amazing ways. Maybe you are here this morning and personally you are thinking, how has God blessed me personally lately? Well, has, God is blessing us every day in Christ. Every day when we get up, we got to keep reminding ourselves, God is blessing me. He made me his child. Now I'm forgiven. Now I have a new life in Christ. Now I'm a reason to live this life for Christ's glory and for the preaching of Christ and follow him, him to bring his name much honor. This is what our text is telling us. But not only that, but also that God is blessing us so others may know him, others may worship him, and others may fear him and be blessed by our great God. Let's read Psalm 67 together again and answer to the question, why does God bless me? God be gracious to us and bless us and cause his face to shine upon us, that your way may be known on the earth, your salvation among all nations. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy, for you will judge the peoples with uprightness and guide the nations on the earth. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. The earth has yielded these products. God, our God, blesses us. God blesses us that all the ends of the earth may fear him. Why is God blessing you? Why is God blessing our congregation back in Spain? Just a small congregation, probably this size, with a piece of land that 
that is something we can even dream about? Is because we are better than others? Is because we deserve it? Of course not. He is blessing us because he wants to show his glory to us and to the people around us and to the nations. So they may know him through Christ as the Lord and Savior. This psalm is mainly about the God of the blessings and not about the blessings of God. We are so self-centered. We tend to think just about ourselves, being selfishness, that even as we read this psalm, we may get the wrong idea and focus in ourselves. Oh, I want God to bless me. But really the psalm is focusing on God and the God of the blessings in second place. As we read Psalm 67 together, just in seven verses, we find that the name of God is mentioned directly six times. Six times just in seven verses. And then on top of that, he's mentioned indirectly through pronouns 11 more times. In just seven verses, God is the center clearly because he's mentioned 17 times in seven verses. God is the center, not his blessings. But the word of God teaches us that those who follow God through Christ, those who follow him with their heart and not his blessings, God, who is a good father, he's pleased to bless his people because we love him, because he's our father now. But why? Why is he blessing us? Why the God of the blessings is blessing you here this morning? This psalm is telling us Three of the main reasons why God blesses his people. Three of the main reasons why God blesses his people. First, God blesses you so that others may know him and be saved. God blesses you so that others may also know him and be saved. Verses 1 and 2. God be gracious to us and bless us and cause his face to shine upon us that your way may be known on the earth, your salvation among all nations. The psalmist begins this psalm by appealing to God's goodness in order that he may bless them. The verb be gracious means show favor, to lean to one side, showing mercy in someone else's favor. And the psalmist is asking God to be on his side, that he will tilt the scale toward them. Not because they deserve it, not because they are better than others, but because of his grace and mercy. God, I don't deserve it. God, I only deserve eternal punishment. I only deserve hell because I'm a sinful creature who rebelled against you. I was not seeking for you. I was just seeking for my own pleasure, for my own life, for my own rights, following my fallen nature. And you were so gracious to me that you sent Christ to die on the cross 
in my place. And you are giving me his righteousness when I trust in him as my Lord and Savior. And every morning we got to keep repeating ourselves. We are just sinners who have been forgiven by a gracious God in Christ. So everything in this life is a blessing from our Lord. Because we have the biggest blessing that we can receive. Being children of God now. And as we approach the rest of our life on a daily basis. We got to keep repeating this prayer. God be gracious to me. Keep being gracious to me. I don't deserve anything. I got to keep reminding myself I don't deserve anything. It's all because of your graciousness. And as we approach God as his children now, we come to him. And we don't ask for things that we pretend or we think we, we really need or we deserve. We come and we ask, Lord, be gracious to us and bless us. Lord, Bless me. Why? What is the main way that I can be blessed? Second part of verse 1. Cause his face to shine upon us. Cause his face to shine upon us. This is a literary figure. This is a formula that we find in number 6. And in number 6, God himself tells Moses to pray this way as he was asking for God's blessing for Aaron and his sons as they were to serve him. Numbers 6, starting in verse 22, says, Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to Aaron and his sons, saying, Thus you shall bless the sons of Israel. You shall say to them, The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. It's almost a direct quotation of what we find in verse 1 in Psalm 67. What does it mean that the Lord make his face shine on you? He's using a metaphorical reference allowing us to, to understand what is his meaning. He is referring to the shining of the sun. And he's using a word that means a, an splendor. Such a shining that you cannot miss. When you get up in the morning and you see the sign, the sun just rising, you cannot miss it. Even you, you don't look at it, you're going to notice that something is bright. It is clear. It's a splendor there, even if you don't care looking at the sun. This is what he's talking about. He's saying, Lord, make us see you every morning. Make us see your glory, your splendor, your greatness that doesn't have a comparison in this life to anything else. Lord, bless me. And bless me firstly, seeing your glory every day. Knowing you more. Getting a taste of your greatness because that is the biggest blessing I can receive. But then he goes on in verse 2 and he tells us why are we going to pray this way. We don't pray just for ourselves. God bless us. God show us your glory. I can know your greatness more and more. 
Why I want to I wanna know him more? Why I want to be in awe of him and he blessing me in so many ways? Verse 2, that your way may be known on the earth, your salvation among all nations. It's not about me. It's not about me. It's first about God. The God who is mentioned 17 times in seven verses. It's about the God of the blessings. And once I receive any blessing from God, and mainly when he's making his face to shine upon me, and I know him more, and I know his greatness, and I know him through Christ, then it's about others. He's blessing me so others may know him. May know his salvation. And not only here, but among all nations. It is very interesting to, to see how the psalmist use this verb, maybe known. And there are various usages of the verb known in the Old Testament. But in this case, he's using a, a word that means, a verb that means, or tending or possessing true information about something or someone. You know the truth about God. You are praying, God, now that I know you truly through Christ, now that I get to know more of your greatness and your glory and your splendor as your face shine upon me, I want others to know you truly too. So that has an impact in their lives. Not just head knowledge, start with the right head knowledge. But then something that is going to impact their whole life. From their heart to the rest of their life. Your way may be known. Many people think they know God. This is what happens in Spain. Spain is a very religious country. Especially manifested through the Roman Catholic Church. And many think they know God. And many consider themselves Christians. And they think they know God because they know religious language. Or because they were raised in a so-called Christian environment or country. Or so-called Christian family. Or they may think they know God because they have heard some about God. And they are familiar with the religious jargon. But being familiarized with God or with religious language isn't really knowing God. The psalmist is praying, God bless me so others may truly know you as I know you now in Christ. And mainly he's repeating in the second part that your salvation may be known. We don't find it in our text. But it's a parallel uh, verse or line that the verb is provided in the, in the line that is, is quoted first. And then the second one is not needed to repeat the verb. But it's really there. Your salvation may be known. God bless me. So they not only know your ways truly, and they know you truly, but they know your salvation Truly know your salvation. First, they know who is Christ. Then they know what he did on the cross and rising on the third day. 
And then they not only know it, but then they make it their own. They really confess their sin and follow Christ as their Lord and nation. Your salvation may be known. Where? On all nations. That is the heart of someone who truly know God through Christ. And now he's being blessed by him so many ways. And the main one, that his face is shining upon you every day. And as you are in awe of God's greatness and mercy and grace in Christ, your main reason in this life is to bring much glory to him and others may know the glories of Christ. And you are praying this way. God bless me. Not because I want to be, live a better life. There's nothing wrong with living a better life. But that's not the main purpose of praying for the blessing of the Lord. But because I want others to know you and be safe here and around the world. I want all the earth, all the nations know who is truly God. He's the rescuer, the protector, the deliverer. And I want to know, I, wanna, I want all the nations to know who is really Christ, God made man, the Savior. Because there is no other name, as Acts 4.12 says, on which we may save than the name of Jesus Christ. And because Christ is God himself, and we saw his glory, John 1.14 says, glorious of the Son of God, the only Son of God, the begotten Son of God. And he was full of truth and grace. And he is the only way to know God. We know God through him. John 1.18 says that nobody has seen God. And now we see him and we get to know him through Christ who is God himself. They have to know Christ in order to see the glory of God and in order to be safe. He's the only way to God, the only way to be reconciled with the creator of the world. John 14, 6, Christ himself is saying, I am the way, the truth, and the life. None comes to the Father except through me. 1 Timothy 2, 5 says, There is only one mediator between man and God, Jesus Christ. In order for the nations, in order for anyone to truly know God, is to know Christ as the Lord and Savior. Why are you being blessed this morning? So that others may know God, may know Christ, and be saved. You want to pray, God bless me? Many times we pray, oh God bless me. So many ways. That's all right. But we got to pray with the right heart, with the right motivation. God bless me so that others may truly know you and be safe. Secondly, this psalm is telling us that God is blessing us not only so that others may truly know him and be safe through Christ, but also that others may praise him and rejoice. Others may praise him and rejoice. Verses 3 through 5 
And verse 3 and 5 is the same. This is repeating the same words. Verse 3. Let the, the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. And then verse 5 is the same. And the main verb, which is repeating four times between these three verses, is praise you, which is really give thanks. And the true worship is the expression of thankfulness to our great God, who is the creator and who is blessing us. All starts with a heart which is thankful. You don't have a heart which is grateful to your great God who has saved you in Christ, you are not going to praise him. It doesn't matter what is happening in your life. You may have a pleasant life. Everything is all right. No problems. You are not going to be praising the Lord because you are not going to be thankful, thank, thank, uh, be giving him thanks. Even if you are having a hard life, hard time right now, going through tribulations, trials, you are not going to praise him either. Because you are not giving him thanks in Christ for his grace and for his mercy. But where you are really being thankful to God for being his child, for saving you in Christ, then it doesn't matter how life is going. From your heart, it's going to come this praise to him every day. And then when we get together to praise our God, Nobody's going to push you to praise him. You're going to come ready to show what is in your heart and praise him for his graciousness and his goodness to you. Nobody, no matter what else is going on in your life. A pleasant time in your life, maybe, or very hard time. But he's saying that not only we need to praise him, but let the peoples praise you. Let the peoples as group of nations, of ethnic groups. Let all the peoples, all the peoples, not only a few peoples or ethnic groups, praise you. Everyone has to praise our great God, exalting him, making a public confession, praising him for who he is and what he has given us in Christ, our Lord and Savior. On whom is the worship focus again? On God. Let the peoples praise you, O oh God. Let all the peoples praise you. He's emphasizing that God is the center of all true worship. Not the blessings we receive from God. It's so easy to get caught up in what we get from God or what, what we don't get from God. And then when God is blessing us the way we want to be blessed, or the way we sometimes think we deserve to be blessed because we are good Christians, then we are ready to praise him. Right? We're focusing in ourselves. Or we're focusing on the blessing. And then we're missing the whole point. No, it's about God. It's not about us. We are ready to praise God because he's the center of all true worship. He's the giver of all blessings. He's the one who has to receive praise. And especially for who he is. He's using a, a word here for God, Elohim. And that means he's the God of the universe. He's the Lord of the universe. He's the one who exists eternally from age to age. He's the all-powerful powerful God. He's the God high above. He's the all-sovereign God. 
with innumerable attributes, characteristics. And the psalmist is giving us a couple of those in verse 4, just to help us to praise God, to really know who is God, to focus on him. First, in the second part of verse 4, we praise him because he's a righteous God. We praise him because he's a just and righteous God. For you will judge the peoples with uprightness. He is the only one who can resolve an issue between two parties. He is the one who has the authority to make a final decision on the issue and punish the party that deserves punishment. And he's going to do it right. Always. Always. He's saying, you will judge the peoples of the nations with uprightness. Uprightness means here balance. And this word, when the original uh, receptors or, or singers of this psalm heard it, they were thinking about a flat ground without any bumps. Flat ground without any bumps. God is predictable. If he said this is right or this is wrong, he's going to follow up on that. And he's going to be right when he judge. And you know what to expect. He's the only one who is like that. And that is one of the reasons the psalmist is calling us to praise him. Because he's so different from us or from anything around us. He's balanced. He's right. He's like hanging a friend on a wall. Maybe not many of us, we are handymans, and we don't do much things, or maybe you are, but at least you have hang a, a friend on the wall, right? And then you hang it there, and you think it's, it's straight, and then someone else comes alongside, maybe your wife, tells you, oh, honey, you need to move it a little bit to the right or to the left, and, right? And then you even can get in a discussion who is right and who is wrong. No, no, I think it's, it's right. I'm not going to move it. No, you need to move it. This could be an endless, an endless discussion. What do you need to do? Just find a balance somewhere, a level, somewhere in your toolbox, and then put it on top of the frame. End of discussion. <laughs> it's going to show who is right and who is wrong. That's the idea of how he's describing God here. He's always going to show who is right and who is wrong. And our level, the only one who can make us upright before a, right and a righteous God is Christ. You are not able to do it by yourself. You are not able to come before God and say, oh, look at me. I'm all right. You know, I'm not perfect, but I'm not as bad as this other person. Or, you know I love you and I try my best. That's not good enough. He's a perfect, holy, righteous God. Only through Christ we can stand before a holy, righteous, perfect God. And he can look at us and say, okay, you are all right. Because he's not seeing you. He's seeing Christ. And he's seeing at you through Christ, the perfect one, who lived your life. The life now he is giving you. A righteous life on this earth. And then he took your life, a sinful life, and paid on the cross in your place. 
What a great God we have. Righteous God, but gracious God. And for this reason, we are telling, we are praising God, and we are asking others, or we are telling others about Christ and about our righteous God, so they may praise Him. They may give thanks to God for Christ and for His righteousness. But not only for that, He's adding a second characteristic of, of the innumerable attributes of God. And guide, end of verse 4, and guide the nations on the earth. He is our guidance. And the idea is a sovereign guide. He's governing the, the earth. He's sovereign God. So he can guide and he should guide everyone on the earth. And then when you are really following Christ, then you know that he is the perfect guide for your life. It's like maybe taking a hike and then you have a mountain guide who opens up the trail and points to the path in which the people behind him must follow. And you know sometimes it's an easy path, so you may think, okay, I can do it by myself. I'm going to take this shortcut and go there and I'll meet them up there because I think it's shorter. And then you do your own. And then you get lost and you get all mess. Life is like that. God is our perfect guide. He's asking us to follow him through Christ. And to follow what he's telling us. It is better for us, even though sometimes it doesn't look like it, or it doesn't feel like it, you can trust that he's the sovereign ruler of the earth, the creator. And if he says, this is the way, this is the best for you, it's true. We can trust him. And when you understand this, and you follow God this way, then this brings much thankfulness to him in your heart. God, thank you not only for saving me, but thank you for guiding me in this life. Thank you that I'm not on my own, but you are guiding me in every aspect of my life, and I can trust you. And then we are ready to praise him. Because he's, he's so good. He's guiding us faithfully every day of our lives. When this is true, verse 4 is the exclamation point. It's the middle point of, of, of the psalm. This is the point he's making. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy. God is gracious now we see the glory of God, His face shining upon us because we are His children and He saved us through Christ. Now we are safe. Now He's our Lord and He's guiding us in our lives. Now we know He's going to judge us, but He's going to judge us in Christ and He's a righteous God. And we're praising Him for that. But then we're not praising Him in an, you know, uh, quiet way, but loud way. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy. First, we do it because this is our main pleasure in life. This is what brings gladness to our heart, really. This is what it means, be glad. It means be pleased. 
a pleasurable feeling that causes happiness and joy. And only in God you can find true joy and delight. Only in God. Everything else is a cheap substitute, imitation. It can be a leader in the pleasure and happiness top 10 list. It can give some pleasure, for, of course. But it's nothing in comparison to knowing truly God and praising him as his son or daughter. Now you find your delight in God. And everything else doesn't even hold a candle to the pleasure and original joy of knowing him. Then when you know him this way, when you find your pleasure in him, you are going to sin for joy. Sin for joy literally means resounding sound. Resounding sound. It can be heard becoming loud. This is kind of easy for our culture in Spain. You sometimes visit Spain, you are going to notice we are loud people. And when you are in a table over a conversation and enjoying your time, you're going to get louder and louder. It's not that you're you are angry with the, the person in front of you in the table because you're enjoying the, the, the talk, the table talk. And then you become loud and loud. You don't hear anyone, but you're happy there and just screaming to each other. <laughs> this is what he's saying here. But this is not a cultural thing. Because in our context in Spain, we are like that in every situation. Then we come to church and we have the influence from the liturgy and the ritual of the Catholic Church. That is all we've known. And then we are quiet and kind of sad when we come to church. And then we don't understand. You know, you don't have to be happy because you are from Spain or because you are from another country. You are glad and with that resounding sound, you can be heard because now you are a new creature in Christ. Isn't that right? And then every one of us join together and we are asking the nations and we are praying for the nations and we are doing as much as we can so the nations can have the same joy and can be loud praising the same God. If you attend to a religious service in Spain, mainly the Roman Catholic Church, you can really notice that they don't know God truly for the way of worship. The person who really knows God doesn't attend church and it looks like a memorial service. You come to church and now you are a newborn creature. It is a celebration. Of thankfulness. Even a memorial service is a celebration in Christ because now He is in heaven for eternity. We come together and we praise the Lord with loud worship from the bottom of our hearts. Why is God blessing you? Why is God blessing us? First, it's not about ourselves, it's about Him, for knowing Him. And so that others may truly know him and be safe in Christ. And also others may praise him and rejoice in him. Thirdly, God blesses us. God is blessing you so that others may fear him and enjoy his blessings as we do. Verse 6 begins by saying, The earth has yielded 
is Prados. And here, Earth refers to planet or land in contrast to water. It's referring to the natural material which the planet is made, appropriate to plant and cultivate food. We were coming this way and we went out from the freeway and we were seeing all these fields around Hollister. We saw how rich is the, 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 the land here. You can see it, no? Dark land that produces its products. And the, the, the verb is using here, the psalmist, means in the root of the verb has yielded, means richly. Richly means that the fruit has yielded an abundant and valuable harvest. A lot. Very rich. The fruit of the harvest has been excellent, outstanding. It's evident that he's referring to a material blessing. The main blessing we receive from God is knowing him, knowing his glory through Christ, being his children. But then he's a great God, the God of the blessings, and he delights in blessing his children. The earth has yielded its products. He may be blessing you richly in your job or in your business or even in your agricultural production. Why? Why? Verse 6. God, our God, blesses us. God blesses us and he's referring to a continuous blessing. It's a verbal tense that means that God has blessed me in the past. He's blessing me in the future. And I have a, a, a sure expectation that he's going to do the same in the future if he wills. Why? Verse 7. That all the ends of the earth may fear him. In sense of reverence. The same idea of praising him. Getting to know who he is really. And they may bow down. And they may confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. That he is God. And praise him. And praise God the Father. The production of the land, the blessing from God in any other way, is showing us that he's so good to us. And then we praise him. And we want to use that blessing not just for ourselves, but for others to know God and to invest in his kingdom so all the nations may know him. The Lord has been so good to us in Leon, Spain. He has given us this property, which is, is unheard of. It's even not only in Spain, but pretty much you know, all around the world. It's, it's weird that a government can give you a land which is worth $5 million to build a, a church, any kind of church, and especially in our context, an evangelical Bible church. Why is God blessing us? I need to keep repeating myself that God is blessing us, not for our own sake. God is blessing us this way, and God is blessing us as he's providing for the construction of the, the new church building with this uh, historical event in our context and in our country. We're almost 50% of our construction. God is blessing us so that others may know Christ. And we make sure that in that church, only Christ is going to be preached. 
And people may come to that church and really know God truly for the first time in their lives through Christ. But it's not only about Leon. It's about the country also that they need to know Christ. And as we are doing this seminary training to several men all around the country. We have a, a new cohort starting in the fall of 19 men from all about around the country. And we have over 30 men asking to get into the seminary, but we could only take 19 because we, we cannot really teach more or grade more. These men can preach Christ in their places too. And not only in Spain, because we received two students, one from Lisbon, Portugal, and one, two from Northern Africa. One of them, a seasoned man, a missionary who's been serving in Northern Africa for 30 years. And now he want to be trained. And he lives in a small city, which is a Spanish territory in Northern Africa, in Morocco. And he's coming in and out from Morocco, preaching Christ. And now he's gonna, the Lord is sending him to us so we can train him, probably so that we can learn from him. But we can be a blessing to each other. And the Lord probably is going to use this training center to impact not only Spain, but also Portugal, Northern Africa, and who knows where else. And that's our heart. All the nations is not about ourselves. Why is God blessing you? Why is God blessing this congregation in Hollister? He's blessing you and this congregation so that others in Hollister and the area may know Christ. They be safe, may truly know the only true God. But not only in Hollister, but in California, in Northern California, and around the state, and the West Coast, and the country, and around the world. God may use this congregation as you are supporting the seminary, the cornerstone, and missionaries, and God gives you a heart for the nations, they may be blessed in God too. May all the praise and all the glory be to God, who is the only one who deserves it. And may others join us in praising Him, because now they find their joy and their pleasure in Christ their Lord and Savior. Let's pray together. Lord, let us never forget, continuously repeat to ourselves, but always keep in mind why you are blessing us, Lord. Let us look for you, not for your blessings. Look for the God of the blessings. And be really glad for what you have already given us in Christ. And this may cause our heart to praise you. Be glad in you. Find joy in you. And shout to you in praise. And give us a heart so that we don't keep the blessings to us, neither the spiritual or material blessings, but we really share it so that others may truly know you, praise you and fear you and be blessed by you, Lord. We give you all the glory to our wonderful, merciful, gracious, generous God. In the name of Christ we pray.